Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water. As you know, each week on our podcast, we look at a passage of scripture and ask ourselves two questions. What does it mean and what does it call us to do? In today's episode with you, I am well pleased. We're looking at the story of Jesus' baptism in Luke chapter 3 and how we need to make new habits and break old ones to create lasting systemic change in our relationship with God. Let's get started. Well, we are a week into the new year, and with a new year comes many opportunities to pause and reflect on how we've lived in the past year and what changes we want to make in the new one. The thing with New Year's resolutions, though, is that they are infamously made to break. It's like an annual running joke, right? If you ever tell someone, my New Year's resolutions are the following, the other person will most likely laugh in your face. And they're not trying to be cynical or rude. It's just that New Year's resolutions are rarely built to last. In the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, by the way, fantastic book, you must check it out, he says something that sounds a little counterintuitive, and it's that goals often get in the way of success. Just strange, right? Because we're told to set goals our whole lives. But it's because when we become fixated on our goals, which are often so far in the future, we try to find quick fixes and easy solutions to reach said goal instead of creating a system of habits that will help you get there. What's more, when you set a lofty goal, it's easy to get discouraged when you don't see results right away. This is precisely why crash diets often fail, and believe me, I've tried. We want to get to that end goal in a fast-forward sort of way, and goals are great for setting a direction, but it's the systems you put in place that will ensure progress. That's why he says true long-term thinking is goal-less thinking. It's not about any single accomplishment. It's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. And that's what Jesus came to do in our lives and on this earth, to give us a way to be endlessly refined and continuously improved. And it's to disrupt the old systems and establish a new one. Let's take a look at today's text to see what we're called to do in order to find systemic change within ourselves and even in the world around us. Our passage today in Luke chapter 3 begins with John the Baptist or baptizer, whose job was to be a witness to the light, which is Jesus, and to prepare the way for Jesus through baptism and the message of repentance. And because of the power and conviction with which he gave this message, many believe that he would be the promised Messiah. To this, John answers in Luke chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. 
John knew that the baptism he offered people was not a permanent solution. This baptism he performed for the masses was an indication of the need to die to your old self and to come into a new life. Through baptism, you recognize your sinful nature and commit to leaving those sins behind you. And John knew that while he could direct people to ask for forgiveness, he himself did not have the power to forgive because he was human. And like us, he could not affect any real consequences about a person's fate. That could only come from God through his son, Jesus, who was and is the promised Messiah. Those who repent and receive Christ will be saved and brought into the barn, so to speak, and those who reject the baptism offered by the Savior will not. So considering the fact that John saw Jesus as one whose sandal straps he was unworthy to untie, this development in the text where Jesus goes to John to get baptized is altogether surprising. Why would Jesus need to get baptized? He didn't need to repent of anything. He was sinless. And in terms of authority, why would Jesus submit to John's baptism? Jesus was the Son of God. And yet, by being baptized, Jesus shows us three things. The first is that Jesus was human. By taking on the form and sins of the world, Jesus identified with the sinner. And while he himself remained sinless, he shows that by being born human, repentance was necessary for all. No exceptions for even the Son of God. Moreover, Jesus as a human being lived in submission to both his earthly parents and his heavenly Father. We saw last time that even at the age of 12, he desired to be in the presence of God, but he followed and obeyed his parents as well. Jesus' very presence on earth was in full obedience to God the Father, his baptism included, and the Bible says that this pleased the Father. We can read in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. But this proclamation from the heavens confirmed that Jesus was unlike any other human being because, secondly, Jesus was God. Jesus is God. No matter how much Jesus tried to suppress his divinity by identifying with humans and becoming like us, you know, he was born in a manger, he had to learn scripture the long way, he lived a humble life, he was baptized by a mere mortal. Even through all of this, Jesus could not hide the fact that he is, in fact, God. The voice of God claimed Jesus as God's son, revealing his identity to those who would accept it. Christ's humanity and divinity are both intact in him in a way that we can't fully explain. In many ways, he's a wonderful paradox unto himself. And unlike any person, he has complete authority and power and also complete humility simultaneously. And it's this humility that makes him the perfect 
and only Savior. The third thing that his baptism shows us is that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 22, it says that the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Now, it's curious that the Spirit descended in the form of a dove, which is an all-around gentle animal, and also it used to be an acceptable ritual sacrifice for those who were not as well off. And it's fitting that the Holy Spirit manifested as a dove because it symbolizes God's power, not in fierceness and wrath, but in gentleness. The power of God rested in the meek and humble Savior. What's more, the baptism of Jesus ironically shows us that baptism by water was not enough. One also needs to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Repentance is not enough. Followers of God need to do something more than confess their own sin and attempt righteous living. The Holy Spirit moves believers to do to share the joy we've received, to make disciples, to obey God as fully as Jesus did. Later in the New Testament, we find the Apostle Paul in Ephesus coming across a few believers who had yet to hear of the Holy Spirit. And these were unnamed disciples who had thus far been ministering or perhaps merely surviving after having received John's baptism. To them, we find in Acts chapter 19, verses 4 through 5, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Even Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Father's plan. So how much more do we need to be filled with the Spirit to live in obedience to God? The baptism of Jesus then calls us to do what the apostle said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance and baptism by water is a necessary first step to having a closer relationship with God. We need to, in essence, make repentance a habit, but not like a mindless one that we just do as part of a routine, but a conscious choice we make on the daily to strengthen our faith. And baptism by water, like it did in John's day, signifies this choice. But it's not enough. We need to also be filled with the Holy Spirit because this gift, this baptism by the Holy Spirit, is what enables our systems to change. When we are empowered by the Spirit, we gain the capacity to keep up our good spiritual habits, sever ties with our destructive habits, and make small changes each day that lead to lasting change. Whatever goals you're setting for yourself this year, try thinking of it differently. Sure, identify the end result you want, but instead of focusing on that outcome alone, ask yourself what you can do every single day to work toward that outcome. What new habits do you need to pick up? What old habits do you need to break and unlearn? 
Break down your goal into right-sized things you can do every day and give yourself time, patience, and grace to get there. Then you'll not only be able to achieve your goal, but you'll have built a system that will keep you at your goal. So when it comes to our spiritual walk, let's do just that. Let's break the cycles of bad habits in our spiritual lives and allow the Holy Spirit to help us establish the right kind of habits and also to keep at it each day. Because no one is exempt from sin or immune to spiritual decay. Even if you've repented, even if you've been baptized into the faith, our spiritual life requires systemic maintenance. To borrow from James Clear again, success is the product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. So start small. Set up a habit that will help you in your walk with God. You might want to ask yourself, is there a sin that you keep coming back to? Then what is a practical habit you can set in place to discourage yourself from falling back into old patterns? For example, maybe you're struggling with insecurity and self-worth, and it's causing you to keep returning to toxic and even abusive environments that gradually pull you away from God. Now, to combat that, tell yourself each day that you are worthy of love and actively block out the people who are stunting your growth. You might also ask yourself, are there any sins that I'm actually reluctant to let go of, then what is a practical habit you can set to take its place? Maybe you're struggling with a particular pleasure that you ultimately know is not beneficial for you, but you like it too much to let it go. Whether it's an addiction or a certain kind of relationship, replace it with something else that you can enjoy just as much but will help you achieve healthier outcomes. Whatever next step you feel you need to take, I encourage you to take it now. And as you do, remember that you are not what you do or don't do. You are who God claimed you to be. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. You are loved and with you, God is well pleased. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who, though fully God, was also fully human and empowered through your spirit. It is our prayer that we too may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, compel us to not just make goals for change, but to create small but real habits that will help us draw closer to you. Spirit of God, touch our hearts so that we may not stir up hate based on the things that make us different, but to embrace one another based on what makes us the same. And that thing is being loved by you. Meet us at the river as we desire to be washed away from the old and step into a new way of living for you. In Jesus' name, amen.